Writer's Block, Retailer Riot, proudly presented by Heroes for Sale, Detroit's biggest and baddest comic book emporium. You want to see what Spider-Man number one looks like? Come on down to Heroes for Sale. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Banjax, and now Suicide Jockeys. Uh, the other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the right is... David Avalone, filmmaker, comic book writer, and afternoon drunk. Love it. Uh, if you missed any of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Cecil Castellucci, and many, many more, uh, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear crack. So double on back and check it out. Um, we have a great show today uh, for you all, but uh, a little self-promo first, huh? Um, sure. yeah, we, um, coincidentally, um, uh, ironically as a nitwit might, uh, might say, uh, had, uh, each had, um, uh, no way to talk about Alanis Morissette just cause she got you know, wrong once, you know, we should, we should do an entire hour on that song because there's a lot to mine there. I, and I, I love Alanis more than anything, but, but yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, Anyway, uh, um, I have a, uh, a tokusatsu joint, um, uh, something that I've been pitching as essentially um, Voltron meets Fast and the Furious uh, that was just announced. It will be released uh, in comic shops um, in August by Source Point Press. It is called Suicide Jockeys. Um, uh, we will have the, uh, um, the uh, previews, uh, what do you call them, the diamond uh, distributor codes uh, in the... Um, you know, in the fancy notes uh, down below. So check that on out. And Avalone, uh, more Elvira. I just, yeah, I just got announced. Uh, finally, Elvira meets Vincent Price. We'll be hitting Love comic it. shops in sometime in August. Written by me, art by Juan Samu, who's doing a great job with the uh, the, the the critical likeness issue in a an Elvira versus meets Vincent Price thing. You of course, need, everybody needs to look like everybody. Uh, and his his work's really great. And covers by uh, John Royal and my old Elvira artist buddy uh, Dave Acosta. Yeah, and you're and you're better the perverts who dig that kind of thing. <laughs> you're um you're better than I am at this. Uh, uh, um, Suicide Jockeys is brought to you by uh, Davi Leon Diaz and Owan Joko Triano. Uh, the team that brought you 10 crazy uh, issues of uh, my Ringo award-winning comic book, Aberrant. Um, variant covers by uh, Ringo nominee Fabio Elvez and Ringo nominee Edson Ferreira, all lettered by Ringo nominee uh, HDE. So Ringo, Ringo, Ringo. Um, it is a, a fun Ringo party. Uh, <laughs> and so you should go down to your local comic shop. You should order the shit out of both these books. And speaking of local speaking comic of shops. local comic book shops, let's bring in Emmett Garnum and oh. Tiffany from the Perky Nerd. Hi. Tiffany, howdy, tell howdy. us a little something about yourself. Um, well, uh, I'm the owner of the Perky Nerd in Burbank, California. It's a comic book shop, um, but it also is... Uh, collectibles. We sell cold brew coffee, um, and we used to do a lot of events. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also uh, sell a lot of games, and we also used to do a lot of gaming, which is just now coming back. Um, it's like, what about Bob Baby Steps? Uh, <laughs> so, 
Um, yeah, that's that's the perky nerd in a nutshell. It's like a mini con. There's like everything that you could want, like the artists, um, the books, the the stuff, the merch. So, yeah, the mer you have a really great selection of merch, and you know, the wonderful thing about being married to a woman who is a fan of Princess Leia and <laughs> Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman is if I haven't figured out what to get her for any holiday, birthday, or anniversary. I'm like, I'll just go to the perky nerd and some <laughs> some Leia, yeah. Carol Danvers, Diana Prince branded merchandise will present itself to me that I can get her for her uh, for what whatever it is we're celebrating. Uh, Emmett, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm one of the owners of uh, Haven for Heroes uh, in Port Jervis, New York. Uh, same as Tiffany, we've got like a little bit of everything. We do gaming. We got rid out of board gaming, but we do a lot of card gaming, magic, uh, comics. We're huge. We do a lot. We have a lot of back stock, which a lot of the newer comic shops don't have. We probably have about 100,000 back issues. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we do uh, a <laughs> lot. I call them nanocons, is what I call them. So, we uh, uh, Brian O'Halloran is a friend of the shop, so he's been by for a couple of clerks signings. Um, Sean Lewis is my nephew; he's done a couple of comics, so he comes down and signs. Friend of the show. Friend nice. of the show, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Gene Saint Jean, if you're familiar with that sculptor, he's out of New Jersey. He's done a lot of the DC uh, and Marvel select characters like for years. He worked for McFarlane for like seven years. He's oh, an amazing nice. sculptor. He comes out and does some signings. So yeah, we do all, all, all that also. And um, this hopefully later this year, maybe early next year, we're going to be filming a slasher 80 slashers film. So we're going to be making our own movie. Fun. Nice. Love it. Port Jervis <laughs> is the perfect town for that. Is, yeah. is that a comic shop promo tool? Are you promoting the shop by making a slasher film or is it unrelated? <laughs> it, it is a, a promo tool for Port Jervis, New York. Uh, Port Jervis will be a main character in the movie. Nice. nice. Yeah. Wow. That, See, is an a, interesting, that is an interesting tourism board idea. Come to Port Jervis and get killed horribly. I think that's right. a, <laughs> at, at a comic shop. Yeah, yeah. At a comic yeah. Well, we have so, a... a we have the rock that you can stand in all three states oh. at once. Nice. So that's that's kind of a linchpin in the in the story. So nice. yeah, hopefully bring some people out and then the we can have a every year we can have a horror convention nice around the movie. So like like everyone from New Jersey, I assume that the tri-state area was New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, and was incredibly disappointed to find out it's Connecticut. <laughs> Connecticut? <laughs> Why we we because still call this the tri-state? Yeah, no, and everybody, I, most people from New Jersey would get that wrong on a quiz, but it's actually supposed to be. <laughs> uh, yeah. The the for thought I wanted to start with, you know, the show we focus on comic book creators, but we're trying to you know branch out and have other people from the industry and the world of comics. And the 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 first thing that really popped into my mind is, what do you you what do you as shop owners? think comic creators should know about retailers or retailing or shops? What we, here's your chance. That's our audience. So oh, what do you want to tell them uh, aside from don't be rude when you come in the door? <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah, we, we want to talk comics. Like when I when a creator comes in, uh, I mean, I know you're trying to sell your book, but let's see where your I want to know where your comic head is at. Like mm-hmm. where 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 does your comic come from? Like uh, who did you like when you were young? You know what what genre do you like to read? What what genre do you like to make? Your storytelling background. I'm really into the storytelling version of it. I I think that. Uh, Comics haven't figured out whether they're a marketing or uh, IP or uh, a literary art, right? Are we art or are we just IP? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm lean towards the art side. So I like to talk about the art part of it and not the visual art, the whole art, the story. Sure. It's a, it's a collaboration. And when it's, a, when it's really good, it's magic. Well, you know, long longtime listeners of the podcast have heard me say this a million times, but I get the question so often because like Ryland, I'm also I have one foot in the Hollywood world and people come to me saying, should I make my script into a graphic novel? And I'm like, do not spend six months of your life on a brochure for a TV show. <laughs> Tens like, of thousands of dollars. It, it's it's just too much goddamn work. Do not drive yourself crazy for a brochure for a television show. If you want to make a comic, fantastic. Make make a comic, but be sure you're going to be happy you spent all that time and energy making a comic, even if you don't sell a TV show. You know? Right. Tiffany, your thoughts? What um, would you like to tell comic book creators about retail and about retailers? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I... Well, I think the first thing that popped in my head was introduce yourself. <laughs> um, because I think that we come from like this nerd, nerdy world um, where maybe there's introverts or even like just being in the world, especially now reintroducing yourself to other people outside of your home um, is like awkward. It's all like, it makes me sweaty, like having to go mm-hmm. talk to people sometimes. Um, so I can see that on the other side, uh, it, if someone comes in the door and they're like, well, I don't want to just be like, Oh, I wrote that comic. But sometimes people will tweet me later and they'll be like, Hey, wrote, I wrote that comic. And they like, we'll take the picture on our shelf and tweet it. And I'm like, why do you think that was who you were? Right. Like, you know? And so sometimes they'll, they'll come up, um, like and and buy something and, and then they'll be like, Oh, by the way, I, I have a comic. Um, and I'll be like, oh, really? What comic? Um, so, yeah. And then another thing is, like, people just send stuff in the mail, like, you know, non-solicitations. I'm from the acting world, so I get it. Uh, you're just, like, throwing shit at the wall, seeing what sticks, hoping that someone will see your thing and love it. Um, but, like, it just, it it never, like, grabs me. Um, those things really don't work on me. Uh, just sending out, like, my comic's coming up. Um, I, I like it when they come in and say who they are and then we get like chatting kind of like what Emmett said is like, come in and talk to us about the comics and, uh, the stuff that you're excited about. Tell us like who you are instead of like a pitch. Um, but maybe that's awkward because they don't know you. And then it goes back to the introvert thing. Um, so I don't know. Introduce yourself. Yeah, no, I think I think introduce yourself is good. It is tricky. I've gone into comic book shops and not seen anything of mine anywhere. Oh, and then you is know, it like, awkward for you? During during <laughs> times when I had a couple of monthly books out, 
yeah. and didn't see anything. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, these people don't like me. I'm like, my favorite how not to do things. I went into a comic book shop in LA, not Perky Nerd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was when I was doing Betty Page and Betty Page was selling very well. And I went up to the guy behind the counter. I didn't see any on the wall. And I said, do you guys carry Betty Page? And the kid behind the kid, he was probably 40, behind the counter <laughs> said to me, uh, yeah, we got the first one, but nobody likes that comic. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't tell him who I was. I was just like, oh, yeah, really? I, uh, it's actually pretty great. Okay. I'm Betty. sorry. We, we don't carry stuff that sucks here. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That was pretty much the oh attitude the guy took to me. And the thing about that is forget that I'm the writer. Uh -huh. I'm a customer asking you about a product, which kind of implies that I'm interested in interested it and I like it. it. And you just called me an idiot to my face. Yeah. But even yeah. if I'm not the writer, I'm a guy That's who came funny. in and said, do you carry this comic? The correct answer is, oh, yeah, we, it's not, not that many people picked it up. Do you want me to order it for you? Like, that's the exactly. correct answer. Yeah. Comic uh, snobs give us a bad, give the comic no. industry a bad name. And there's a lot of them, sadly. And there's yeah. a lot of them that own stores. Well, <laughs> I think um, what to go along with that, not having that stocked on the shelf, um, I'm trying to think of what my response is when people ask for something and we don't have it. Um, I try and like feel out who the person is. Like maybe I would have been like, Oh God, is he the writer of it? Shit. It's sold out. <laughs> like I'm like, it, it's sold out. Like we don't have any, I can order more. <laughs> yeah. I just want people to like feel good. But I think um, I get the request for like manga a lot and I'm not really into it. I'm trying to get into it more. Um, we actually read something in our book club and it opened up the door to other um things to put on the shelf. But uh, so when people come in and ask for a certain thing that I don't have, then my response is usually like, oh, is that something that you like? What is like a title that you're interested in? Because I never know the catalog is like so huge. I don't know which titles to get. Um, right. So if, if like, what one are you looking for? Because um, we can always order it or uh, do you have a suggestion for me? Because I'm not really into that, but like, I would love to read it obviously i like books um so that's like just seeing instead of immediately insulting someone that is my no, manga that is my manga experience exactly yeah. <laughs> but you know also that that guy could have sold me some greg ruka queen and country comics if he knew what betty page was he's like oh i don't have that but here's this lady espionage book that's uh -huh. really good. Here's another yeah. lady. How about Black Widow? But instead he went right to that sucks leave. You know, like it's just that's not a that's not a good <laughs> oh but you God. know, there are there there are definitely people, comics retails, uh, you know, in high fidelity, you get Jack Black playing the record version of that. Of, you know, your taste sucks and I hate you. Um, right. um but you know, I, I will say that, you know, I'm I've been going to comic book stores since before there were comic book stores. And they, a lot of people don't realize comic book stores are a 1980s invention. Before that, it was the spinner rack at the 7-Eleven, which yeah. try getting five issues of anything in the row, in a row at a 7-Eleven spinner rack. You're like, 
this is from three years ago. This issue from three years ago. And I just bought it like an idiot. Um, and also something that used to be called a candy store, uh, which doesn't really exist anymore, which is like a magazine store, a magazine rack, a diner, and a pharmacy. Oh my gosh, that's like the best thing ever. Yeah, I love, they were great. I you love get diners a, and 50s. I love all that. Yeah. No, I, I think someone should bring back the diner with the magazines and comic books in it i, I want to do great, that you know i want to I, let me do it i want the perky nerd 50s diner like yeah <laughs> that's, that's a great idea or the 90s because i really love the 90s like mm -hmm. put a new spin on the diner yeah the yeah the 90s it would be you know the cappuccino bar which you do a little bit with the cold brew thing yeah so the cold brew um we opened in 2016 and cold brew was just like no one really knew what it was. And I think after we opened Starbucks started to have it as like their new thing. And so I was like, oh good. Now <laughs> it'll be more mainstream and people will know what the hell I'm saying. Cause people thought that I was selling beer. They're like, <laughs> oh, which I would love to sell beer. Yeah, that's comedy. a great idea too. Yeah. Um, and I have tried, but um, Burbank is uh, their permit situation is, Dicey, yeah, laws, whatever. Yeah, Bur um, Bur Burbank is a very. My wife used to produce burlesque shows, and you can't produce a burlesque show in Burbank. Burbank, Burbank is has some very regressive. Oh <laughs> ideas. Town, town from Footloose or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of one of our events, then uh, we did have a burlesque show because uh, we did a Harry Potter event. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had a Harry Potter. I think was it an art show and then we did like a variety show night and I didn't know that they were like gonna undress and like just be like the tassels <laughs> <laughs> and we have huge windows at the perky nerd that you like do. if you looked you're in your car you just look you would be like oh my god there's boobies <laughs> um and so I was like oh my god people are gonna be like the perky nerd huh you know so. no perky Yes. Very, very perky at the perky nerd. <laughs> and that's cool because it was Harry Potter. So, um, yeah, I didn't know that that was going to happen. But, like, what am I going to do? Be like, no. So <laughs> it, it happened. And uh, that will be, you know, stay a magical time that happened at the perky nerd. Yeah, no, you're, lu you're, you're lucky no one rolled by on a motorcycle and uh, came in and wrote you up. Because that can definitely happen in, uh, in the wilds of Burbank. Oh my gosh. But, I mean, I think, I think the key to this, you know, comic shop creator relationship thing is, I mean, you guys have kind of hit it on the head, but let me kind of build it out a little bit is making it an actual relationship. I mean, we've talked David on this podcast over and over again about comics being an ecosystem, right. And, and, and networking is really about, uh, you, you, you framed it, uh, in terms of Kennedy, right? Ask not what comics can do for you, but ask yeah. what you can do for comics. Right. And so we're all playing our role and, and it is an ecosystem where, uh, the podcasters, the journalists, they need creators to interview, right? They need books to review. Um, and, and so they need us and we need to promote our books. We need to get the word out. They, they have rabid fan bases and we need to reach those fan bases and let them know about our books. And, 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 and so it's this give and this take, right? Um, 
And I think, you know, it, it, it very obviously, I think it's the most obvious thing in the world is that it has to be the same with comic shops and comic creators, right? And it's often not treated that way. I mean, I think that too many creators see it as, um, I don't know, it's like a, a, you see creators like on the con floor at a convention, like, hey, you wanna buy a book? Hey, you wanna buy a book? Hey, you wanna buy a book? And, um, you know, I, 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 I have a creator friend who, um, uh, I, I, I won't name him and call him out here, but, you know, but I, I think he called like a thousand comic shops before issue one of his, uh, his, 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 his book, um, uh, um, you know, uh, arrived, was, was, was listed trying to get people to, to, to order it. And, um, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, his book and my book came out the same time. I, I, I unfortunately didn't have, uh, uh, the time to call a single comic shop, but, when our books came out and they were pretty similar and they were pretty similarly received, um, we sold the same number of copies. <laughs> and, and, and I think that there was a, you know, anytime you're going to call a thousand comic shops, you know, in a week, um, yeah. you know, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Like two minute calls? Like, you know, Hey, yeah. you want to buy my book? Here's my book. Let me show you. You know what I'm saying? You're treating it as a sale, right? Yeah. And, 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 and you're treating it as a drive by and a hit and run. And you're trying to get off the phone as quickly as possible, right? And you're not treating it as a relationship that you're building over time, right? Um, you know, I think of, uh, I mean, I think of how I know Emmett, um, and Emmett is all the way across. His shop is all the way across the country, right? But 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 we 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 have already kind of forged this relationship as as shop and 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 creator. You know, uh, um, I think Emmett and I uh, Emmett and I know each other because. Um, his nephew Sean Lewis, who's another uh, comic shop cre- uh, c- comic creator, excuse me. Um, I'm I, I'm very sick right now, so so if I'm babbling, <laughs> excuse me. I should have said that at the beginning of the. Uh, I, I have a cold, I, not COVID, but I have a cold and it's very bad. But but so I'm going to stray a little bit. But um, so Sean and I were, were roommates at NYU back when we were like 19, 100 years ago. Um, so uh, because of that, you know. Um, Emmett and I kind of know each other. Emmett needed uh, creators for a con that he was putting on. Uh, and he reached out to me and he said, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? And, and again, it was like, Emmett was planning this event and the event was promoting the shop, um, and promoting comics in general, you know, promoting the ecosystem, propping it up. And, um, and, and he needed people to come help with that. And again, it was an audience for me to promote my book. And, 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 you know, we got on a, a video chat together and we put on a hell of a show. Um, and ever since then, we've kind of been allies, you know, when, yeah. when I, when I have a book, he's, uh, um, you know, he's on Twitter blasting it out and he's recommending it to his, uh, to his customers. And, um, and, you know, when I, uh, uh, you know, when I'm doing, uh, my own podcast, uh, and I want to put some, you know, some comic shops in front of people and it was the first person I called. Um, and so I think building a relationship like that over time where, uh, where you're allies, you know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're in this fight together and it's okay. Well, what, what can I, as a creator do to help the shops? You know, right. when I walk into a creator, it's not, I'm not handing them a flyer and being like, buy my book, buy my book. It's, a, you know, okay, well, 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 what can we do that would be mutually beneficial? Can I come in for a signing? Can I just sign all the copies you have on, on the wall? Can, uh, for some they're in the, uh, uh, the, um, shop specific variant game and it's like okay well let me let me introduce you to some people at source point and let me let me set you up and uh emmett you and i were talking about um uh retailer exclusives off uh uh uh, 
off camera and yep. that ends up being a big deal. And so, so, so I think it's like that. It's like, you know, it's not taking the, let me call a thousand shops in a week yep. approach. It's, it's a, let me forge a relationship over yep. time that is meaningful and mutually yep. beneficial. And, 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 you know, because again, this is, this is, this is what makes it all go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing um, that when you were saying that is one thing, uh, like we're really huge into social media and I'm sure everyone is, but um, I mean, I think the biggest thing that a writer can do that costs them no money is to tweet about the shop. Like, um, and so when, when people come in and they sign the copy, we take a picture of them yep. and then we tag them, you know, and vice versa. And it's just like a whole thing. And then we're getting into their world. They're getting into our world. Yep. And that's how you're going to get customers. Yep. Because if you, if someone isn't into your genre, like say your manga, uh, you know, and, and my customers don't have it because I don't carry it, but you come in and, and you're like, Hey, you know, I'm at the Perkinger. This shop is awesome. Um, I just signed a copy and left it for them. We're totally into like contests and raffles. So we'll all, I'll always be like, Hey, only five of these, you know, you got to come down, like create the urgency, like the, mm -hmm. the, like the exclusiveness. I mean, you know, we've all been to cons, like you want yeah. the thing that there's not very much of. Um, and so, I would say that the number one thing besides coming up into my face and mm -hmm. telling me who you are and trying to pitch me your comic would be like, I mean, it's just like flattery. If you're, if, if you look good, you feel good. And someone's like, you look really great in that suit, David. You're like, and who are you? Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> Should we go get coffee? Like, tell me more. Um, <laughs> like if people want it. Like if you're mm -hmm. going to compliment them, then they are immediately are like, what? I want to give back. You know, it's just like a human, human ref reflex. So if anyone ever comes into my shop or like, I don't know. And then they tweet later on. That's what I immediately am like, Hey, why didn't you introduce yourself? Like, thank you so much. Thanks for the retweet. Like, you know, thanks for coming in. And then it starts a whole thing. So that's like my number one thing that mm -hmm. if anyone wants to do something for free to promote someone else and give and give back, mm -hmm. it's social media. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually think you and I know each other. I knew of the shop because uh, you, you, you started out about a year or two after I started writing comic books. And I was aware the shop existed. And I was like, oh, I got to go in there and take a look. And before I had a chance to go, one of your employees is an Elvira fan. And Elvira number one was like the book of the week at Perky Nerd. And oh, it's so funny. She doesn't even work for me. It's You're talking about Kelly. Cause no, no. I'm talking about, I'm trying to remember his name now. And I'm embarrassed. <laughs> okay. Alexander? Adam or Alex? I've had like several Alexes. <laughs> I think it's, I think oh, it's Adam. Adam. Adam had made it book of the week and I was like, Oh, I'll go down there and sign a few. And, and I did. And then I introduced myself to you and you had me come in for a signing. The first Elvira trade, I think you guys did as a book club thing, which was very we nice. Did. We did. And, uh, you know, and that's, and the reason I found that out, I think I was already following you on social media, but also I think whoever did that, that post on Instagram did hashtag Elvira, hashtag Elvira Mistress of the Dark. And I, when I'm writing that book, I look at that hashtag, particularly oh. around when the books come out. Yeah. And I saw, oh, look at that. Perky Nerd is, is, is promoting my book. So that was a great 
invitation in its way to go, oh, well, if you now I know it's there, I don't have to go in and look around nervously and go, is there yeah. anything of mine in this shop? Uh, you well, know, they, and I've, a, I've also, I've gone into shops where they, they didn't have anything of mine displayed and I just sort of asked, you know, like a customer, like I did at the one in uh, North Hollywood where I got the root answer. And they said, oh yeah, that's like, that's a couple of months old. We have that in the back issue boxes. And I'm like, oh, well, let me sign those, um, you know. And, but I, you know, I do think that as creators, the number one thing that you can do is treat retail with respect and love. Um, you know, same thing, treat retail, you know, it's the same thing with fans too. I remember being at uh, San Macon and I was walking along the Bayshore side with a couple of other pros who I absolutely will not name. And they were making fun of the kids waiting for Hall H outside. And I was like, and th this was a creator who's made some money in the world. Uh, and I said, these kids bought your house, dude. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, like, don't, like, if not for these people waiting us at all age, we're, we're all out of business. So, uh, you know, you should care. You should be thrilled that anyone gives a damn enough about what we do for a living to wait online overnight. You know, especially if they're young. Especially if they're young, yeah. We have a Don't we put encourage a, people we put in discovering a whole, your thing. Right. We put in a whole kids section, and I actually moved it to the front door so that as kids walk by, they can see the kids comics, and you know, try to pull their parents in. <laughs> Some you see a lot of parents yanking their kids <laughs> away, but yeah, we we're really. I mean, most of my customers are adult males. Yeah. Uh, we lost a lot of our subscribers through COVID. We had over 50 yeah. subscribers. Now we're down to four, four subscribers. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So did, did they move or they, uh, just don't, they didn't have the jobs anymore. Um, I think it was just, they just didn't want to come down and do their pickup. And then, it, you know, we were closed from December. We just opened up last week. Oh, so, oh okay. Yeah. We stayed closed a long time. So, wow. That's how we lost most people. They just didn't come out to get it. So right. uh, New York was shut down pretty hard for, for most of it. And then, wow. you know, most of my workers don't have uh, health insurance. So putting them at risk on a regular basis, I didn't feel comfortable with. So we just stayed closed and then made our money online because comic and collectibles have gone <laughs> insane. Yeah. <laughs> insane. I, well, I, you I have all those back issues. So that's like... We don't yeah. do back issues. Like you said, newer shops tend to not do that. I, I, I don't like, we, we have our dollar boxes and that's about as back as we get. But yeah, um, yeah but I refer, if you were local, then you would be one of the people, one of the shops that I'm like, go check them out. They have a ton of back <laughs> issues. Yeah. Wait, 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 where do you keep a hundred thousand back issues? I know. Do you have a Everywhere. warehouse or? Everywhere. Yeah, right. that's the <laughs> answer. I have a 3000 square foot shop. Oh, my shop is 3,000 square feet, and then I have another 1,000 square feet of the basement just for um, uh, storage. So, yeah. Yeah, I just took in 12 long boxes two days ago, two or three days ago. So, yeah, we're constantly going through more and more, more, and more books. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And I'm but in I mean, the process of, I'm in the process of the turning all of the back issues that I own into trade paperbacks where at all possible. Right. Like I don't, 
There are certain floppies I don't want to get rid of because I've had them forever. They're signed, sure. you know, they're, they're, uh, but they're, they're a bunch of things that I'm like, yeah, I, I keep, I didn't keep these things to sell them for a lot of money. I kept them because I was reading them over and over again. So I can just take a trade paperback that won't fall to dust in my hands <laughs> when I try to read it, you know, cause no, I used to, you know, I, I work with Kevin Eastman nowadays, and I did have a copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one in 1984, Ooh. and I handed it off to a friend. I was like, oh, you should read this. <laughs> but the joke is, you know? if I still had that comic, yes, I could get it signed by Kevin. That would be very nice. But it would be a CGC 0.45. <laughs> like, it would, it would not be something I could sell for any acceptable amount of money. <laughs> You know, because I, I just never treated them like gold. Huh. You know, I just never, right. I, I, I'm pre collector market. I'm not one of the people that gets into it, you know, with the idea of, I mean, no, you know, nothing I owned had bags and boards until, you know, the late eighties, early nineties. And even then I was like, well, maybe the number ones, you know? Yeah. So it's surprising you know. like how collections, even when the, like the nineties were printing millions you got to figure out all the hurricanes and floods and fires. How many of these have been lost? And like you said, read over and over and over again. That's why that, right. that even the stuff that was overprinted is now coming to value now. <laughs> it's crazy because the yeah. values are insane. Oh, wow. You know, and I, we've talked about this a lot. I, I talk about this a lot because it's something I'm obsessed with, that all of the, all of the stuff we love was intended to be disposable. Right. Like I wrote a Doc Savage series a bunch of years ago and I went to a it's the only convention I've ever been a guest of honor at. I went to a Doc Savage convention and I said to them, like, this was 10 cents in 1935 and you were absolutely supposed to throw it in the garbage when you were done with it. Like you weren't <laughs> supposed to keep it and make it nice. It's a magazine. You read a magazine, you toss it out. Right. But the stuff was so compelling and people fell in love with the characters and the writing and the whatever and but none of you weren't supposed to keep a Fantastic Four number one. You were your mom was supposed to throw that out a month later. Like that was the, you know, nothing. Yeah. Things didn't have that intrinsic. Uh, there was no idea that some, and I, you know, as has been documented elsewhere. Like then somebody sells Action Comics number one for a half a million dollars, and everybody yeah. loses their mind and goes, "Oh my God, everything is valuable." But like was I was that the was that the Doc Savage on Dynamite. From the first run, from the Marvel run. Okay. That whole run is worth maybe $200. Like, it's just not, you know, issue one is worth a bunch of money. I think issue 37, because Michael Golden did the art for one issue, is worth a lot of money. Issues 38 through 109 are worth a buck, you know, each. They're not, it's just not, you know, so like this idea that everything was going to be valuable. You know, I think about someone gave me someone gave me one of those McFarlane Spider-Man number ones. And I'm like, I'm like they printed 20 million of these. Like, I'm, I know you think this is going to be worth something. but It's really, really not going to be worth something. I mean, it's like it's like it's like Emmett said. I mean, a lot of times, you know, uh, I mean, even that stuff that was overprinted. I mean, if you if if you have it in the pristine condition, people will still pay. I mean, I, I, you, t you talk, talk about collectible, collectibles going insane. Um, I'm a big Bad Boys Pistons fan. You know, they, they won back-to-back -back championships, uh, 89, 90. 
And, um, and so about two years ago, I'm like, well, it would be cool to have PSA graded bad boys rookie cards. And so I just, I spent, you know, a month or so on eBay, just bouncing around and trying to find this one for a good price and that one for a good price. And I think I found a, a PSA Dennis Rodman rookie for about 15 bucks. And I found a PSA eight Isaiah Thomas rookie for about 35 bucks. Um, and you know, I have a Vinnie Johnson rookie for like nine bucks or something like that. And then cut to now with the market just going absolutely berserk. <laughs> that $15 Dennis Rodman rookie I sold uh, about a month ago for like $165. Oh and then the, the $35 Isaiah Thomas rookie that I bought, you know, two years ago, I sold about a month ago for $250. Um, and then that yeah. Vinnie Johnson rookie, which um, is, you know, it, it is not a it is not like a really valuable card in general. Right. Um, you know, when it, I sold mine recently, uh, and I went out and I bought a new ungraded one for like $3. Um, but I had a P I, I had one that was PSA nine and somebody paid me like 120 bucks for it just because it was, it is because, you know, it's an old card from the early eighties and it is hard to find, you know, even though they, you know, again, they printed the shit out of them and this is like a common card, but to find one in PSA nine, if you're a Vinnie yeah. Johnson fan is near impossible. And so yeah. people will pay a premium for that. And it's, it, it's interesting to see how collecting has changed so radically where e even something that is common, if it is in an uncommon condition, uh, uh, mm -hmm. particularly at an uncommon time, then it becomes wildly collectible. You know what I'm saying? A Miles Morales first appearance, which is uh, ultimate fallout Four. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man Fallout 4 uh, is ungraded is like $900. Graded 9.8, it's like four grand. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so, but it is funny though. I do see, because I sometimes, my dad was a writer and I sometimes collect his old paperbacks on eBay. And I particularly love it when something that's not rare at all, like they try really hard. Uh, <laughs> you know, Partridge Family Number One by Michael Avaloni, super rare, three hundred dollars, and I'm like, literally any any Salvation Army in America has this for a nickel. Like they they printed ten million of these. Like I swear to God, you, it's not hard to find. Well, but yeah, also, well, time goes on, and yeah. things do actually. But even the yeah. as you said, anything that's in good condition forty years later, you know, starts having value. Well, Especially and, and, and this is. Yeah. And that's the funny thing is, okay, so, so, I mean, I, I have, I have some issues with grading in general. Okay. Grading a, a basketball card makes sense because you don't really change the integrity of, of right. the collectible, right? It's just a, it's a picture and you just right. put a case around the picture. You would already put a case around the picture. Grading a comic book, you know, you are slabbing it. It is something right. that was meant it's to be read and enjoyed yeah. and it becomes unreadable, but, but I get it, whatever. We're in the digital age. You can get a digital copy of it. Um, the the ultimate line cross to me was give me a second this is i'm, I'm gonna step off but um so i am i you know i i, I write movies for a living and so I'm, I'm an old movie nerd and so i i i collect old vhs and so i'm i'm in my office and um when i'm writing i my setup is a little janky right now but i have an old crt tv and a, and a vhs oh, wow. player and so i'll I'll pop, you know, whatever it is, cocktail, you know, Armageddon <laughs> and just have it in the background while I'm playing. And, and, and it's just about, you know, again, like there's this, you go back to the things that made you want to tell stories. I, I tell stories for a living. I write movies, TV shows, comic books, the whole nine yards. And it was going to Blockbuster on a Friday night, grabbing five movies 
um, and and then watching them the entire weekend start to finish. Like that's what you know. In fact, like my my craziest thing. This is it, this is going to be uh, this is great radio. Me lifting off, but I have um. I went out and found old blockbuster versions. So, oh so, I, so I, I, I literally have the blockbuster tapes now. But you know, so so again, like, and, and if you go on Instagram, there's this huge community of VHS nerds, and and yeah. you know, they post great pictures and and swap stories, and oh, look what I found. And there is rare stuff, but it's like the whole point is like, you know, like the the, the rattle of the tape and taking it out, and it's massive, and it's it's a little bit ridiculous, right? And 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 you're gonna you're going to pop this in and you got to adjust the tracking. And it's, it's about this experience. <laughs> Long winded way of saying there are assholes now who are grading VHS tapes. Yeah. Um, and so, wow. yeah, I, I mean, you know, and so, I mean, I don't know what my, my old eighties copy of future kick would be, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, a six or something like that. I think that's but, the one I worked on. It, yeah, it, very, very well. Maybe you and I had a long. We're, we were talking about getting down, down the Dragon Wilson on on the pod uh, uh, for for funny reasons, and and yeah. uh, and Avalone and I talked about Avalone actually worked with Down the Dragon Wilson uh, three times. But I digress. However, you can go on eBay and find like I, I don't remember what the grading company is, but you can find you know VHS you know grading uh, company uh, nine on one of these things, and you have some idiot trying to. You know, I mean, this was, uh, you know, the Don movies, they didn't make too many of them. So this is about 10 bucks on eBay. But, you know, Major League, like you can get in, like you said, any thrift store for three bucks or a, a dollar or something the like that. Thing about grading but, 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 but there'll be an asshole trying to sell you a graded nine version of this for a thousand dollars. And worse than that, there are idiots that pay them, pay for yeah. that. And what yeah. do you do with that? The it's dumbest a movie. thing about The dumbest thing about grading a VHS tape is literally the minute you put it in a player and hit play, it it the quality dips by twenty percent, and then yeah. you play it a second time, it I dips it. another ten percent. By the fifth time you've played that VHS, it's garbage, like it's snow. You know, like right. it's not the it's not a very robust format, and there's a reason we did away with it, and that's that's one of the main reasons we did away with it. But it is. Uh, Again, I have paid a lot of money on VHS tapes recently. <laughs> oh yeah, a you just have people bringing in crates of them or what? Yes, yeah. yeah. I buy them. I buy them very cheaply, and sure. maybe there's two or three of them in the whole lot. But uh, yeah. vintage horror that didn't yeah. get put on DVD, like um, oh, B movie yeah. stuff, three yeah. four hundred dollars. Yeah. It's crazy. That's amazing. There is, there is, you know, there, there is some vintage stuff. There is, there is stuff that has not made the digital crossover yet. And it is kind of an interesting, it's, 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 it's its own, it's its own world. My, my penciler, uh, my artist on a lot of the Elvira stuff, Dave Acosta is a big old horror movie fan. And my wife was looking for something that she couldn't even, you know, had no idea where it was ever available. And he found it for her on Vimeo. Because someone with a VHS tape digitized it and put it on Vimeo. Because that's, yeah. that's where that's where well, we live now. Well, I, yeah, I mean, VHS is huge with the old horror, again, because there are guys like me who that was how they watched it. You know, I mean, uh, um, I, mean I, I, I raced BMX bikes when I was a kid. And, and like my Bible, my favorite movie was, was Rad. Um, yeah. and it, it took, it took years and years and years, but last year they finally did like the definitive Blu-ray 
gorgeous digital version of rad and put it out um and it was like it's good to have it but it's like i don't really want to watch it that way it was like you know for <laughs> for for decades i watched it on vhs and that's what it looks like to me and yeah. so if it's too clear you know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, I, a little, I, I, little blurriness I, would go a long way yeah. in increasing the quality. Yeah, of that. and and every nerd feels that way. And so now, if you want to get a copy of Rad, particularly with how things are going crazy on VHS, you know, even like a beat up old rental store copy that's been played a million times, you're gonna have to pay fifty, sixty bucks for it on eBay. What? Um, yeah, and and so that's crazy. And so so Emmett, this is really of interest to me because you talk about. I mean, obviously the collectibles market is going crazy, and there are a lot of a lot of people that are buying, particularly premium stuff and rare stuff. Yeah. But I have to imagine that, you know, with COVID, with people being locked up in their houses, cleaning up their garages, and mm -hmm. with um, and with you know people losing their jobs, getting furloughed, whatever, um, people in need of money. You had to have seen over the last year like some pretty amazing boxes of shit coming <laughs> coming to your yes. your uh, well, your, I, your shop into your three thousand square foot, uh, uh, yeah. you know. Um, Wonderland. We made an ad just for buying. We made we made yeah. an ad and put it out over. Uh, uh, we made a uh, an actual video ad and put it out on uh, Facebook. Just buying. We don't come yeah. and buy from us. We want to buy from you. Yeah. Wow. So we did a, a take on JG Wentworth. If you remember JG Wentworth. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a JG Wentworth uh, rip off parody that we did. So you guys were singing. It's that one, yeah. right? The, yeah. the guys yeah. on the bus. I yep. have a structured yeah. settlement and I need That's cash it. now. <laughs> I, I did want to ask before we, we oh, go God. too far off on the collectibles thing. What, uh, like Tiffany, what made you open the store? What was the origin of the idea to go into uh, nerd retail? Well, it's hilarious that you asked that because I was about to say, I'm in the wrong business. I guess I should be collecting <laughs> old VHS. Like, I have some. Maybe I have. <laughs> what am I doing over here? Um, but uh, I wanted to open, I wanted to just open uh, like a cat cafe. I wanted like a coffee thing and I was into cats. Um, and those were like just becoming popular. And I was like, that's awesome. Cats and coffee. It's way too expensive to do that. The ventilation and the permits and everything that you have to do. Um, so we we had just previously started going to our first cons and doing our first cosplay, me and my husband. Uh, and so we were like, uh, what about like comics? Comet, like what if, cause we, we go to House of Secrets uh, here in Burbank and um, I was like, oh, and coffee. Like we could do like figure out the coffee thing, um, so, which is why we have cold brew bottled already, um, which the next step would be uh, having an actual coffee bar. Like that's like, you know, but money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the food so, license is intense. Yeah. Uh, so that was the cheapest way to get it up and running. Um, and so it went from like, idea in December to up and open in the end of April. So it was very, very short wow. time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I had, I, I had just had a baby. So I think hormones like had a lot of, uh, <laughs> like, you know, addition to the craziness of like doing that kind of thing. Cause I feel like you kind of have to be like, you know, just a little bit slightly crazy to open a business. Um, 
because it is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're constantly trying to reinvent something. Um, and, and even though I'm, I think that there's all comic book shops are great and there's a niche for everyone. And of course people can go to multiple comic book shops. I'm never like, Hey, you've been over there. What are, you know, <laughs> it's like, I, I know everyone goes everywhere cause I'm a consumer as well. Um, which is also why I hate Amazon because I love Amazon as a consumer. I'm like, oh, look at this cheap thing. Um, That's why I don't do board games anymore, because I could not keep up with uh, Amazon. <laughs> right? And, and, like, so um, that's, like, the thing is now as a retailer, um, like, I appreciate so much when you see someone have a business, you're like, I know what it takes and how much you're making probably if you're, like, a mom and pop. Um, because, like, the tiers are so low, like um, – I mean, Diamond is, you know, losing Marvel and I got the tier for my discount and I was like, tell me why I'm going to stay with you. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and pay shipping and pay shipping. So your percentage is even lower than they tell you. Because once yeah. you tack up, if you're not, if you're not buying enough comics to pay for that shipping, it, it's exactly. astronomical and your percentage just drops. It, it, it's a very, very tough business on the, on the retail side. I know uh, it is. They say you're at 50%, not after shipping, not after bags and boards for free, not after marketing and all that. It's it's a slim margin all the way across the board from creator to the end. Yep. There's too many people when, in the middle. Yeah. When people, when people complain about how much comic book costs, I'm like, you should do a Kickstarter and find out about how much printing, printing and distributing a comic book costs and you will be thrilled that they're not all $12 each because the margins are razor thin. Yeah. You know, right? I, I know it's even a, well, it's a crazy. minimum of middlemen, the margins are actually pretty razor thin. And I'm very upset about the free return, the returnability. It, it's mm -hmm. great for a lot of small shops like mine. Like I can order a bunch and hope that I sell them and then send them back. But it, it's, it's choking the golden goose. This is what ended uh, newsstands. That's why you can't get a comic at a at a Seven Eleven, because you know they send four out, and you know if they don't sell them by the end of the month, they send four back. Now that looks good on the on their profits, you know Marvel and DC's profits, but when they have to take those books back, yeah. they don't they don't really show that. You know they show hey we sold a hundred thousand copies of Batman, but you got back twenty five, right? right? That's that twenty five thousand, so you really only sold. 75,000 and right. that doesn't come through yeah. and it, it's really not good for the industry. Uh, I buy what I need, even with returnability, anything, I don't send anything back unless it's damaged. And that's just the way well, I, do I think, you know, people who don't read the charts have no idea how small and how niche the business is. Yeah. Uh, I think I've told this story before, but when I was working on the red Sonia script, one of the licensors was, I, I worked on the development team for the new movie, and one of the licensors would talk about keeping the fans pleased, and we have to, you know, make sure the fans aren't alienated. The fans, the fans, the fans. And when he left the room, I said, let's go on Comic-Con and see what the latest issue of Red Sonja sold. And I said, here's, here's, here's on my computer, Red Sonja number 17 from Dynamite sold 18,000 copies. Now that doesn't mean there are only 18,000 Red Sonja fans in the world, 
But that means there are only 18,000 Red Sonja fans that are paying $4 a month to read her comic book. And, like, that's not even a rounding error on a single screen on a movie during its run, you know, right. during its theatrical run. That's not even, like, that's, that's a number that doesn't even exist. That's a decimal point in the profits of a movie, and that's the entirety of Red Sonja fans. <laughs> you know? right. So, like... Worry about getting it right in the sense that why do the project if you're not going to honor the roots of the character? I totally get that. But worrying about alienating the fans of a ninth string comic book character who literally nobody, you know, someone was talking about the Eternals trailer and they said, oh, yeah, this is really going to piss off the eight people that read Eternals comics, you know, <laughs> in the last 20 years. You know, like, oh that's uh, that is a small group. Of very yeah. dedicated Jack Kirby fans, and uh, and I'm one of them, and I think the trailer looks great. So you know, oh, that's good because that I don't, means I don't that, means, that means one out of eight Eternals fans are very pleased with how things are going. You know, like it's just people don't people see the Batman and the Avengers in the movies of it all, and you know, we've again we've talked about this before. I feel like the movie studios have missed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. When someone walks out of the Eternals, that Kirby collection trade should be in the friggin' lobby to sell Absolutely. them for 1995 and they'd buy it. Yeah. They, and there've actually been like, I think there've been three or four Eternals reboots over the years. Some of them by brand name writers and artists. Yep. You had Real an opportunity payment. to sell this stuff to people over and over again. The number of people who walked out of the first Avengers movie and you could have sold them any number of Jim Starlin, Thanos, Infinity, whatever comics to them, and yeah, nobody yeah. did. The amount of George Perez you could have sold to people on Wonder Woman's opening day, criminal. <laughs> like, you know. It, 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 it might actually be the first comic I ever bought. Um, What's that? I, uh, was. Um, I'm hearing an echo on your side, I think, Evelyn. But um, so I went to see Batman, you know, 1989, and uh, and I'm geared up to see it. Love the trailers. I am in line for popcorn, and I walk up, and I order my popcorn. I order my soda, and I look down next to the milk duds, and there is a a Batman movie graphic novelization right next to the milk duds, and I'm like, Mom, I need that. Um, and then the kid behind me did the same thing, and the kid behind him did the exact same thing. Uh, you know, so it's it's worked before. <laughs> what, ha what happened to advertising in comics? Mm -hmm. the, the, there's rarely you'll see maybe a movie, and it's usually like DC or Marvel putting it in their own. So it's just shuffling money in them in their in their huge yeah. conglomerate. But yeah, you know, independence. <clears throat> why don't they allow creators to to sell your own? advertisement in your in your comics right so like I, if you're putting if you're putting out a book and it helps you pay for the printing you know why can't you have a couple of comic shops or uh b movies or or something like that do taking a whole page ad in your comic book yeah i yeah. did a i did an ad swap thing with dynamite because at the time that i had a creator-owned book come out with kevin eastman i was writing two monthly comics for them Right. And I reached out to Dynamite and I said, tell you what, I'll make a buy these other David Avalone comics from Dynamite ad and I'll run it in my independent Drawing Blood comic if you run this Drawing Blood ad in your Dynamite comics. 
And not only did they do it, which what, what was funny to me, and it tells you so much about how dead advertising in comic books can be. I picked up like a, I picked up an issue of, I thought they were going to put my ad only in Betty Page and Elvira because that's what right. I was writing. I picked up a Red Sonia and it had my Drawing Blood ad in it. And I reached out to my editor. And I'm like, certainly I don't want to stop you, but I'm surprised to see that my ad is running in a variety of Dynamite comics, not just. And he said, oh, the production department, when they're a page short, they're just going to grab your ad and throw it in. <laughs> like, you know, if they had trouble selling ads in that issue, they are absolutely going to be advertising your comic in everything we sell out of sheer, like, you know, in inertia. <laughs> like it's, it's a page they've got that they know they can use to fill space in an issue. So they are going to keep using it. I imagine I they've stopped at this point because it was two years ago, but. I, I think comic companies just got rid of that department of salesmen that used to sell ads. Mm. And that's why it's just not there anymore. <coughs> there there yeah, used to be some great ads too. I, I oh. remember like ads with meatloaf, uh, like, you know, the, like the, the, the singer meatloaf, like selling candy bars. And, you know, there, there was something like that in the, you know, Hey meatloaf, you know, you should try a Snickers bar. And, uh I mean, it's, I, I miss those ads, you know, I mean, I still collect those ads. I mean, it's, it, that's when, when I'm going through like the dollar bins, I don't just look at the cover. I will turn the box around and go through the back covers because that's where you find the meatloaf ads and the, uh, you know, Domino's Noid ads and, and God well, knows what else they were uh, advertising. You know, the, other, the other thing that happened, and a lot of people have talked about this, is the aging up of the audience and the, and the, and the comic book companies not working hard enough to hold on to children. Like yep. any comic book, like if you bought Swamp Thing in the 80s, which was pretty adult, it still had ads for toys in it. You know, it still yep. had ads yep. for toy soldiers and racing cars and, you know, G.I. Joes and all sorts of stuff that like a 35-year-old would not necessarily be interested in in the 80s. Um, but that that's, that's also pretty much gone away as the companies have done a less and less good job of holding on. And, you know, I know there are lines of kids. <laughs> that's actually, yeah, that's a, a, a great radio. Again, I'm showing the meatloaf ads. Anybody listening to us on iTunes and most people listening to us on iTunes. That's another one from a comic book that I love. Uh, um, uh, Remco Karate Kid action figures. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. super that's cool. Action figures were, yeah. were a big one. Speaking of uh, Detroit Pistons, Bill Ambeer's Combat Basketball, the uh, the Super Nintendo. But yeah, these are okay. I was gonna say that's like a video game. Day. Yeah, um, but but yeah, I mean they, they don't do it anymore. You're right. You're right. And it's like to me, like you know, this is. Um, I mean, I'm a nostalgia freak, but it's like I love this stuff more than I even love getting the books. You know, so well, and also yeah. back in the day, you'd get like the number one pencilers at those companies doing like Russ Heath would be doing the toy soldier ads. Right. Yeah. You know, the guy who was drawing all of DC Comics war comics was also drawing the ads for Toy Soldiers in the war comics. So it was all sort of of a piece. Um, but, yeah, they don't really manage that part of it well. They're uh, the comic industry. And this is, you know, this is a, a whole conversation and a long one. The degree to which it's not reaching out to new customers. And you see it in the fact that a lot of stores like the Perky Nerd realize they have they can't simply be a comic book store that sells comic books there's no such there's almost nothing there's no comic book store that doesn't sell an action figure to you right you know that's absolutely doesn't exist some of them you know tiffany you have the great you know gaming 
section and you have, you know, you host game nights when pre COVID and I'm sure post COVID that'll come back and book clubs and signings and all of that. And the degree to which comic stores have realized, yeah, you can't, you can't just be a monthly comics outlet or you will die a dog's death. It's just the business is not there. Well, the thing is that, I mean, what Emmett's doing is the, all the back issues. That's where the money is. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I don't, uh, and that's like what the Perky Nerd is to go back to your question. Why did we start is because I wanted to have a, like a shop that, like was for the fans like me, like women and uh, people who were into all the women characters and um, it looks cute. And it's like, it, you know, it's a cute boutique and then it's welcoming to other, um, yeah. like uh, straight off the bat when we opened, I did like a, a mom event, another women in small business event. I was just like, guys, you, if you, you know, get in on this, just like if people say that when you, when a friend of yours, which is like awkward when you, when you're with a group of people and one of you gains like fame or get, you know, breaks out of the group because they're excelling forward. Then it's like, you take the people with you, but some people just leave. And I want to have this thing so that everyone else can have this thing too. It's not like, uh, which I feel like a lot of my, uh, we have the perky bitches book club. Um, and so it's like all women and it's like, come in here and talk about comics. Nothing you say is going to be stupid. I'm not going to be like, Oh, you've never read that. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, or, Oh, t you know, so, and I never want people to feel bad if they're, if I'm, if I reference something from a long time ago in a comic, because that's like the one character I know, um, and be like, Oh God, I don't know. I don't have all that knowledge. I'm not worthy of this group. Cause that's like the feeling that you get. Like, uh, like at least uh, everyone I know that is a woman yeah. in the club has had. No, the the so, gatekeeping is, uh, is the, the gatekeeping that my wife used to say, like, nerds think they're flirting with you when they tell you their co your cosplay is inaccurate. <laughs> like, no, oh, that, no that is exactly the wrong thing. That is the opposite of flirting. Oh. That is the biggest turn off in the world. Her boots aren't really that tall. Mine are jackass. Like, what do you? What, what the hell do you want from me? Right. You know? No, and, so and again, it's so easy like... to turn. It's so easy to turn. <coughs> have you read? Oh, you love you love Catwoman. Have you read the Brubaker run on it? Yeah. If the answer is no, your response isn't "What the fuck is wrong with you?" It's "Oh my god, this is so exciting! <laughs> You're gonna it. love it yeah. so much. It's so good." Yeah, there's you a know. sale. There's a there's for sure, right? Um, and so that's like where it really came from is to have this spot that people felt safe and they could ask any questions mm -hmm. um, that they want because I don't know everything. That when I opened, I was like, oh no, what if people come in here and they expect me to know everything? <laughs> I right. was like, why am I opening this shop? I'm so stupid. And then I was like, no, because of that reason because i am i don't know all the things and i could be and i'm here to you can educate me like tell me who you like like and then you know vice versa it's like a whole thing um so that's what the number one thing but it's silly because it doesn't make money uh is doing <laughs> all the is doing all of the new comics um mm -hmm. because 
that's what I know. I'm a new nerd, like, as far as comics. Like, I never collected as a kid. I never collected as a teenager. Um, I mean, I, I was definitely a, a nerdy dork wad person when I was a teenager, for sure. But I wasn't in, like, that way that people are like, oh, you're into comics? Um, you know, that whole stereotype. Um, I did other dorky things. Uh, I always think, I always say I'm the, like the Marilyn Munster of like stuff, uh, because, <laughs> but like, I was always like, not into it enough, you know, like right. I was just like, I, I like that. Uh, but I wasn't like, yeah, totally into like horror, but I like that. And, uh, I love theater, uh, but yeah. like, I'm not, you know, well, so was, that's what I am for nerds. I'm like, I like everything. I like, I like games. I like Funkos. I like comics. What do you like? I've got all of it. Like, <laughs> there, was, there was a great onion headline slash article of 20 years ago, probably that was, you know, guy who has memorized every baseball statistic going back to 1920 is very judgmental of guy who's read some comic books. You know, a guy who knows every member of the Avengers going back to 1955, you know, 1965. It's like, it's all the same shit, man. Like yeah. knowing baseball <laughs> statistics and knowing, you know, right. being able to name all of the, the infinity stones off the top of your head is exactly, yeah. it is exactly. It's all nerd thing. stuff. It's all big yeah. nerdy. It's just it's what you're nerdy about. It's, yeah, a, it's nerdy a millionaire about. playing a child's game on television anyway, you, you know, whether it's baseball or superhero you know well, or, or whatever F fine art you know i mean i was an art history yeah. major and fucking you know de kooning nerds or francis bacon nerd, you know what i'm saying it's <laughs> like i i i you know i i i wrote a thesis about william de kooning paintings you know where i i referenced you know 120 different pieces of artwork it's the same shit you know yeah you're nerd no, now I, i've never had <laughs> that i've i've always hate there are a couple of nerd reflexes i've always hated and it's there you know plenty of people don't have them but that oh my god you haven't read that thing yeah. and you know not reference to this but the you know blank destroyed my childhood thing is also like <laughs> it really it really didn't it really didn't destroy your childhood i always make the joke that my wife is still waiting for chris pine to come over and pulp our william shatner dvds and it still hasn't happened like we were promised i was promised chris pine was going to come over and shred my star trek dvds and it is yet to occur and we're all pretty disappointed about that over here. He seems very nice. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's that, you know, it's like when people got upset about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. So is Temple of Doom, by the way. People uh, <laughs> making bad Indiana Jones movies for 40 years. It's not really, it's not really a big deal. Just, you know, move on with your life. It's uh, everybody deserves to make their pension, you know. Right. Uh, but, but before before we get too far away from it, another interesting coincidence: Emmett also runs a Perky Bitches uh, uh, book club. At his, uh, at his <laughs> yeah. Just just weirdest coincidence. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna start one. I'm gonna start one. You totally should start. We should you, you should franchise the Perky Bitches book club. Oh my gosh! Um, I should add. I didn't ask though, Emmett. What uh, what prompted you to open a shop? Well. Uh, Comic shops were my uh, my temple, my getaway. Uh, I had moved a lot when I was a kid, and I ended up in a uh, really bad neighborhood <laughs> at one point. And I went to Mile High Comics in Colorado, and they let me hang out there all day without any money. And they used to talk to me like, 
I was an adult. Like, what, what do you think about this book? Hey, read this. What do you think about this? They were very welcoming and it made me a lifelong comic nerd. And um, when I joined the military, same thing. I was away from home, moved a bunch, and then I'd always find the comic shop and I'd have people there I could relate with. So I said, if I ever had the money, I would just open a shop that people could hang out and not feel different and have a place as a home. That's mm -hmm. why it's Haven for heroes. So the heroes are actually the people who come in, not the people in the books. That's kind of our motto. That's great. That's yeah, also, I, I mean, I think that's the community, like the community is so huge. And I feel like it's, uh, I don't know. It's not so much about the, the comics. I feel like people come, the comics brought them there, but the community keeps them there. You know what I mean? A, if you're not building a community, you're going to be out of business. Yeah. <laughs> No, the be that is absolutely the best comic shops. Absolutely, from the beginning, uh, serve as community centers. And it's yeah. you know I was I was trying to remember something about Jerry Duggan, who's a friend of mine, and I looked at his I am I looked at his Wikipedia page, and I didn't realize that Jerry had worked retail at Golden Apple when he was very young. And the number of comic book writers that, and artists you can find who have worked at comic book stores at one point of, in their life, because that's part of how much they love it. I will not necessarily name them, but I know comic book creators who are doing very well, who still like work a shift at a local comic book store once a week, just kind of as a like, they dig the ambiance so much. Yeah. They dig being around <laughs> the fans. And I totally get that. Because it is, you, you always can't discover really find something. It There's been else. so many printed from you know from the 30s to, to today. There's been so many different. You can't know every book. I no. find stuff all the time, and I'm like I'm amazed how I never discovered this. How did I not find this Dave Stevens cover? Right. right. Or, or yeah, or someone asked else. me. Someone asked me to write an essay about Elvira covers through her entire history in comic books. And I did a deep dive on it, and I was like, Brian Boland did a Elvira cover? Sankevich did a Elvira? This is amazing. Like, just, yeah. And I probably saw them in passing on newsstands 30 years ago, and it just didn't, you know, penetrate. But, right. you know, it, it, the difference between being a tour guide and being a gatekeeper, you know, you really, you're a, you're a tour. Jack Kirby, my favorite comics are probably the Jack Kirby uh, 1970s DC stuff, for whatever yeah. reason. I discovered it because an older friend of mine got tired of me raving about Star Wars. <laughs> and he was like, let me show you Jack Kirby's four, world books. You think Darth Vader is cool? Wait until you see who he's based on, which is Dark Side. And they're still my favorite comics to this day. Uh, and if I hadn't had an older friend who was a big Jack Kirby fan, I wouldn't necessarily have gotten into them at the time that I did. And to me, that's such a, that's such a great part of the enjoyment of any of this stuff is being able to introduce someone to a thing they previously did not know. The other podcast I do, Pulp Today, where I read old paperback novels to people, uh, and sometimes I have guests on to read their favorite old paperback novels. Um, it's all about that. Like after I'd done about 10 episodes, someone messaged me on Twitter, a complete stranger. And they were like, so now I have a stack of books by the side of my bed. And I'm like, that's all I wanted out of this is that you right. would, is that you would read the Maltese Falcon. That's all I did. All I wanted to do is just read the Maltese Falcon, read some of my dad's books, 
you know, read, uh, read some things and have a, a perspective on why they're still uh, worth reading. And I just feel like, you know, a bookstore, my, my first job, 15 years old, was a bookstore employee. And I, bookstore employees, librarians, comic bookstore people, it's it you tour guide to the library of Alexandria. It's, you know, here's all this great stuff. Yeah. You know, and as you said, Tiffany, the stuff that you don't know, people will come at you with it. And that's even better when someone says, do you have and you don't have it? Well, why don't you have it? Find mm -hmm. out why you don't have it. You know, that's. Yeah. I use that a, to get subscribers. That's when I, how I built my subscriber base up was exactly that. Hey, you don't have this book. Oh, we're sold out. If you subscribe, then you'll get it every month and you get a percentage <laughs> off, you know, all the deals we give to our subscribers. We have a lot of deals for subscribers. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, not, I'm very confident we'll build it back up. But, you know, the New York Times said uh, a comic book subscri subscriber spends about $40 a month. If you get, you know, in the area I'm at, if I have 50 subscribers, I'm paying my rent, my light, and my water bill. Right. And then everything else is just gravy after that. Um, mm -hmm. So 50 is the number I need. I mean, I don't know what the rent is like in California, but like our rent, nice. I'm in a very, I'm in a very depressed area. Actually, we were one of the first new businesses on the block seven years ago. There was me and a gun lady across the street and she'd been there for years. And uh, now we have a brewery and a coffee oh, shop and two new pizzerias and a, and a vegan restaurant. Like everything has blown up in our downtown. Um, I, I said that, the, you know, it's showing people that people were willing to come downtown, congregate, and then who's going to feed these 60 people I have playing Magic the right. Gathering every Friday night, you know? Right. So right. That's, well, and Tiffany, you're, you're in a pretty good high traffic area. Do you get a lot of walk-ins or? Well, I, I mean, if you know Magnolia Boulevard, um, you know, there's like that section that is like the hot spot near Portos. Yeah, and you're a little I'm, bit down from that. I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, like a long walk away <laughs> down there. But what I do have is I have Tony's um, and their bar and then the Empanadas place. And so I'm right in the middle of those two places. And those are the two places that people go to when they come and game. Like if they mm -hmm. take a break, they'll go to one of those two, um, which is why I really want to have my own um, you know, beer. Um, yeah. and I also enjoy beer. So I know what happens when I drink it. Then I go, Oh, fuck it. Let me get all these books. Like I, and that's what I would love in my shop. It's like, <laughs> they're like, hey, we're we're drunk in both that, right? That's Lubrication. Yeah. I would sell so much more if I just had beer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, because that's how I, you know, you go to a con, you go to lunch, you have a drink, you go back and you're like, Oh, let me just get all this shit. Uh, <laughs> before you're like, oh no, I gotta you know, wait, spread it out over the days. You have a drink and then boom. So that's what I was trying to get the, the beer and wine license. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep trying. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I get foot traffic, but people like they're either going to get a haircut and then uh, we, we put like the um, Adam who is the Elvira fan. He's an artist. Mm -hmm. So he put on our sandwich board outside. Hey, Wookie, after your haircut, come in here and get a comic, <laughs> you know, or like they send people over to get a cold brew or, Oh, I, I, my favorite story ever was a guy went over there 
to get his hair cut and he saw cold brew on the sign. And so he came in and got two, went outside or got his hair cut or something, chugged both of them and then came back in and he was like, I want two more. And I was like, these are coffee. <laughs> those are espresso. Those are, yeah. that's a, that's a lot. It's super charged. He's now, yeah. in, he's now in Cedar Sinai recovering from that. <laughs> <Yeah. from NASA laughs> you hear every once in a while that somebody ends up getting like a DUI for drinking too much caffeine. Like it happens once a year, you know, like it pops up on the Yahoo feed. Like I, wow. you know, that guy was headed there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just like, I'll give you two more, but these are coffee. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, they're, they're they're strong. They're they're, they're, they're rocket fuel. Um, so that's like my my favorite thing is like all the interesting stories that happen. Um, like one one guy came in and he was new to comics and he was trying to get something for his daughter and our at the time everyone that's how I got introduced to Saga is customers were like saga 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 i was like what is this gosh i'm i'm just like losing money not having saga so i got all the saga and so when people come in i was like try out this saga and i open it up to like this a sex page and this guy was like <laughs> the guy just stared at me and he was like you want me to get this for my daughter and i was like it's <laughs> I'm like, this alien sex, it's really good. <laughs> Look, the kid's going to have to learn about alien sex and people with TV heads sometimes. Sure. So why not Saga? I usually go with uh, Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes. <laughs> yeah. How old's your daughter? Oh, Lumberjanes. Yeah. She was yeah. an adult. Like, he was an oh, she was an adult. Gentleman. Yeah. He was an older gentleman, and I was like... Sure. Um, and then I've had the opposite where I've been trying to push a lumberjanes or, you know, here's a Wonder Woman. Like they have really great um, young adult novels now. And it's like hard to know what people's maturity level <laughs> is and their reading level. Mm -hmm. So they were just like, why is she showing me this? Like, and they went for like the hardcore, like stuff, like, you know, beyond saga and stuff. And I was like, how old are you? Does your mom know that you're here? Like, I, I feel weird, like selling this to you, but like, I'm here to sell this. So, <laughs> so I don't know. How close, how close is your school? How close is the school to you? Uh, I think, I think it, we have a high school by us. Yeah. There's a high school like around the corner from you. I know I walked past it once. <laughs> Yeah, it's like on the other side. It's closer to House of Secrets. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I'm going to go with uh, Scalactics. Scalactics is now opening up to comics, a lot of comic shops. Uh-huh. So they're the ones that do, like, if you remember when you were a kid in school and you'd fair? have a book, a book fair. Yeah. That's the same yeah. company. And they do all the, um, if that's if you want to try to get a younger crowd and they do all that uh, under, uh, the underpants guy and the dog man and oh yeah all, all those books and uh well, yeah and scholastic is secret when when people say that dc and marvel are the big two it's because they're pretending oh. scholastic doesn't exist scholastic, <laughs> book, scholastic books wow. is the largest comic book company in the in america yeah not absolutely. even close like they outsell yeah. marvel and dc by by zillions Gazillion. Because it's in the catalog you get at school and you circle it and your parents buy it for yeah. you. That and was not... my favorite thing ever as a kid yeah. with Scholastic Book Fair. That was like, oh. My, my paperback copy from 1977 of Star Wars, I bought 
at from the Scholastic catalog. Yeah, the book orders. You got a, yeah. you got sent home with a book order. It was like a two page <laughs> yep. thing. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Well, we should we should wrap things up. We uh, we usually end by going around and saying, "Where can we find you uh, on social media or wherever? Uh, what would you like people to see? Where is your website, etc.?" Er- Emmett, why don't we start with you? All right. Well, uh, I'm on all of them. Uh, on Twitter, <laughs> you can find me at Emmett Garnum. I, I have it as my uh, show on YouTube. No comics for old men. On YouTube, it's Haven for Heroes. Instagram, it's Haven for Heroes. Uh, pretty much if you just search Haven for Heroes, you'll find us uh, everywhere. Uh, uh, we try to do about two or three shows on YouTube a week. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Nice. Awesome. And Tiff? Um, so we have the you know Twitter, Instagram, and um, Facebook. It's all at the Perky Nerd. Um, if you just put in the Perky Nerd, then you'll find us. And then we have the Perky Nerd Store.com is where we have uh, you can sign up for our events because uh, we do a lot of um, like makeup classes and challenges now that I've started in the pandemic, um, which has helped like reach more nerds that are interested in the the Perky Nerd vibe and um, and staying connected. Uh, and so I'm in all of those live when those happen. And then, um, we also have tried to get as many of our books and like collectibles on there. Um, so yeah, at the Perky Nerd and the Perky Nerd store.com. Very nice. And Ryland, where, where are the kids finding you these days? Um, I am, uh, I'm coughing because again, I'm sick and, uh, uh, I am at Ryland Grant, R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T on all forms of social media. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents drunkenly, uh, arranged letters and sound me with it. And so now I have to spell it for you. Uh, um, my, uh, my books are available, uh, here and there, uh, the Ringo award-winning Aberrant and the, uh, four-time Ringo nominated Banjax are available in fine comic shops everywhere, like the Perky Nerd and, uh, Haven for Heroes. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, they are available on, uh, on Amazon and Comixology and stuff like that, but you really should go into an LCS. And if you are looking for a book to recommend to, uh, to, to young ladies, uh, little girls, Banjax is phenomenal for, uh, for, for, for little girls. Oh my god! <laughs> if you read Banjax, you get that joke. If not, don't go and give it to don't, a, not, a, a not young woman. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's bad. Uh, um, and then uh, my uh, my Kickstarter uh, uh, business, um, my uh, 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 kick you in the teeth astral projection thriller, the jump. And my Fargo West crime drama, The Peacekeepers, are available now via Backer Kit uh, at thejump2.backerkit.com. And that's a great, like, catch-all Ryland Grant shop where you can get signed copies of everything, really rare con variants and all of that. Um, so go check that out. But most importantly, um, my, uh, my new book, my latest and greatest, Suicide Jockeys, which is a, uh, a tokusatsu joint. I am selling it as Voltron meets Fast and the Furious. Uh, diverse cast. Uh, it's really got some heart. It's about a family. Uh, you know, it's actually a book that's about something. So I had a lot of fun doing it. I think it's great. Uh, Source Point Press is dropping that starting in August. It is in the previews catalog this month, uh, which you should be able to pick up at your LCS uh, uh, starting tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, Wednesday. So go check that out. Um, again, the order codes will be in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, uh, great book. Go check it out. Awesome. And I'm uh, at davidavalonefreelance.com. 
um, because GoDaddy squatted on davidavaloni.com because they are bastards. Um, <laughs> but all of the links for everything I do can be found there. Uh, the nice thing about having a relatively unusual name is I am very easily Googled. Um, so, and yeah, they just announced uh, Elvira meets Vincent Price, which will be a four part miniseries. Uh, unless it sells well, in which case they will call me up when I'm in the middle of putting the finishing <laughs> touches on it, issue three and say, oh, this is going to be, can you do one more? Can you do five more? We'll see what happens. Uh, Elvira is very popular with the kids. Um, and, uh, and there are also going to be two Elvira Kickstarters in the next four or five months or so. But those are those are top secret at the moment, um, and yeah, other stuff going on. But you can track it all on my on my website if you wish. And my other podcast, Pulp Today, is on YouTube and the iTunes and all of that in various formats for your listening and book buying pleasure. Uh, but that's it. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. It was a real pleasure having you yeah, on the thanks. show today. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more Madcap Hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.